you have uh, listened to are uh, interested may wish to come and sit here to engage in some uh, exchange, some inquiry uh, with myself. And during the period of uh, time of the inquiry, hopefully for each and every one of us, some uh, insight and uh, understanding emerges, some inspiration areas to reflect on, since sometimes the voice of the person or persons who is speaking is also a mirror, a reflection of our own voice and our, of our own concerns in this world. <clears throat> and with the inquiry, any time the person or myself wishes to finish, I just say thank you, and then the inquiry closes. There's a couple of shared minutes to, for us to have some silence, a little reflection, meditation. I'll say anyone, then another person may wish to uh, come and speak. Sometimes inquiry lasting for a minute or two or much longer, just depend what seems useful, beneficial uh, at, at the time there. Once again, I have the, uh, the Ai River uh, here for uh, recording. I'll check with you if it's okay for it to be recorded. And if it is, marvellous, and if not, fine, uh, as well, and just to let me know. In the last inquiry that we uh, had together, it was one gender, and this inquiry is for the other gender. So, uh, there's someone who may wish to come. Uh, please come. You can sit on the cushions if you wish. Or just bring the cushion and sit on the uh, edge uh, of the platform here if that's more comfortable for you, and the uh, loudspeaker is there as well. Yes, Iman, please. Yes, come. Hey. If uh, you'd like to... Uh, just behind you is the uh, clip-on microphone, and if you'd like to clip it on. And, and of course, with the recording, that uh, it is okay for a good speaker for it to be recorded, then it's uh, available and publicly available to uh, others and yourself afterwards. And if a person prefers not, no problem at all. It just stays as it is. I don't press the record button. Fine, I guess. Yes. My concern is about the Dharma and the violence and the terrorism in the world today. Good, yes, mm -hmm. yes, please, when important. When I come here, I feel very safe. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I'm able to open my heart and to be caring and much wiser about myself and about my interactions here. Yes. And I'm able to take that home and do a sort of a good job also at home with my children, my family, my husband. Lovely. Even my friends. Yes. But when it comes to looking at the world news, mm. that's something completely different. Yeah. In terms of how I feel about it, I feel very frightened. Yes. I feel that I want to defend myself and my family and yes. my community. Mm-hmm. And 
I feel that I would be foolish not to be prepared to defend myself. Mm, yes. To the point where I literally think about owning a gun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if I feel that if someone wants to hurt me or mine, that I I'm going to hurt them first. Mm. And that doesn't square with my understanding of the Dharma, and it doesn't square with what I try to do in my daily life. No. Um, it feels and looks more to me like what the rest of the world is doing, mm -hmm. and I'm just very troubled by this. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned at the beginning um, your concern about the war and terror. What are some of the impressions? What, 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 what sort of things uh, affect you or touch you or bring about fear? What is it that you... Um, it's sort? not so much the sorts of things that you might think, like getting on an airplane and worrying, oh, I'm going to die on the airplane. No. It's not that. It's, the f it's watching people suffer for no good reason. Um, I'm Jewish and I watch what's happened in Israel and I've watched some of the things Israel has done and I feel so disturbed for what's happened to them, that country, and those people, Palestinians and Jews alike. Mm -hmm. And I see, and yet, and yet, in my guts, if someone, if I thought someone, if I looked up and I saw someone with a bomb who was going to blow up the pizza parlor where my daughter is having pizza, I can't imagine that I wouldn't pull the trigger. The, there is, I'm listening to two voices here uh, from you. One is the voice of concern. And that may have a locality through the media, Israel, Palestine. It's an area of the world which I know reasonably well. I go twice a year. I'll be there in four or five weeks. And, and there is a concern. And this concern is about the suffering which is taking place there between these communities and, of course, recently with the Lebanese community people. And all the horrendous violence. What is it that then happens inside of you that then makes the leap, if I may say, or makes the step in which, say, a speculation comes in or hypothesis or whatever which then makes a leap and says oh if my daughter was here in a and I had a gun and this person had a bomb and I would you know. what happens when one goes from concern about something to defence being identified with the country, the home, thinking about getting a gun somebody attacking you, killing somebody, or possibly... But what, what's the step from concern about to 
the latter part of what you just said. What's, up, what's happening in that jump into that? Well, I, part of it is just that I see violence spreading everywhere. Mm. And so I jump to violence here at home. All right. Or the violence that the children of this generation, this is my children's generation, yes. are being asked to perform. Mm-hmm. So, so, so go slowly because it's an important point here. There is violence in the world, clearly. We have our connections and our love. You're a Jewish. Actually, have your connections with your Jewish story and, your, and the Jewish uh, uh, history, of course, naturally. But then, and then one's concerned about the violence. But then the mind comes in and says, I'll defend something by shooting somebody. Is that part of the problem or part of the cure? I don't know. I can't go there because to me, it would be such a chump to let someone take my life or take... I, I just, I can't... I can't see how that could help. It's at the moment. Us and the Dharma, the Dharma is concerned with the here and now. At the moment, there is a leap into the imagination. It's a leap into an idea. What if? What if? But the what if hasn't happened. The what if may never happen. But if one is carrying around the what-if, that could get stronger and stronger, and the what-if is fear fueled by fear. You could get a gun. You could imagine somebody is going to... Anything can happen. Anything. Do we have to go from an awareness of this violence and terror that's in the world, which is inflicted by the nation-state on people, which is inflicted by the organisation on people? Do we have to go from that to the what-if? Because that's what the governments do. That's what the political violent organisation does. That's what the individual does. What's it going to need? What's going to need to change inside? So that you don't go into the what if. If we don't go in there and do this, etc. If we don't do this, etc. It's all in the what ifs. And in this what if, We mercilessly kill men, women and children, maim, torture, interrogate, destroy lives on the what-ifs. And you're caught in it. But it is happening. And does does a person have the right to defend his or her life? No. It doesn't have any... This is an ideology. It is. It's my life. No, it's an ideology. 
It's a hard one, I know. It's an ideology. Go slowly, go slowly, go slowly, go slowly, go slowly. Do I have the right to put my life before somebody else's? Do I have that right? Do I have the right to take another life? Do I have the right? That person, whoever it is, will be a son, a brother, a father, an uncle, an aunt, a mother, a sister to somebody. Do I have the right? No matter what, do I have the right? But what about my daughter? My, my I have, I'm, a, I'm a father of a daughter. I'm keeping in mind every word I say to you. Yeah. Do I have the right? Somehow you don't have... I, I can't say you have the right now. I can't say I have the right to take another life. I can't say I have the right. I've been with the Palestinians a lot. I've met with Hamas. I've spoken to the families of the martyrs. I've listened to them. What will help? Because the, the tendency is, I feel fear. From the fear... I experience blame. I'm afraid of him, them, what they might do to us, what they might do to me, what they, they might do to my daughter. I feel I, have, I must defend myself. We must defend ourselves. This is pumped into us morning, noon and night. Therefore, it then legitimizes itself through blame the act of hate upon the Afghani people and the Iraqi people, etc. And I say, I'm living in fear and terror. I don't want to live like this. And the consequences of it is blame, which makes me absolutely no different from the people I condemn. You can't do. They also are living in fear. They are also living in blame. They are also subjected to terror. And they are also inflicting terror. They've also taken up the gun and the rifle and the ammunition. One's part of the same story. How are we going to get out of it? What's going to be the change in you? It won't come from the media. You haven't got a chance in this country of an independent media. I agree. <laughs> There's not a chance for the people in the United States to understand what is going on in the Muslim community or in Israel. There's no free press in this country. What are you going to do? Because what the press has given you is worry, anxiety, fear, and uh, a movement towards violence by taking up the gun. That's what the media has given you. What are you going to do? Well, 
I have to see clearly what my what the, my situation is. All right. That's for sure. Okay. Now, I understand that that piece of it very well. But I guess what I'm what I'm asking you is, in the event that, or as is happening all over the world to millions of people today, they are experiencing this. They are having someone take their, try to take their lives. But in a way, it's true, and I appreciate your concern. Your life is being taken away with fear, worry, anxiety, imagination, and living in what-ifs. Already your life is disappearing. What are you going to do? Well, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I, I, that never even occurred to me. Your life is being robbed. I didn't think it was because I felt pretty brave about going about my life. Letting my daughters go to Africa or wherever, so I thought, okay, nice. I'm, I'm, you know. But I see that internally, you know, I'm suffering. I'm. You are. I'm really you are to the so point of imagination going into the hypotheticals. What would I do if? We what don't. about Girl Scouts? Be prepared. Be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time since I heard that. <laughs> I had a friend who lives not so far from here who told her husband that she wanted a divorce. Her husband, for various other reasons, had a gun, legal, legitimate, and there had been a lot of uh, robberies in the uh, area, and he felt he had to defend himself and his property, and his, and his wife and himself. So, in a drawer in the bedside table, bottom drawer, he kept a gun, loaded. He told his wife he wanted a divorce. No, sorry, she told him he had never made any threat, never had any argument, never had got in into any rage. But she found that every time he went into the bedroom, there was this anxiety. There was a gun in the bedroom. What do you make of it? You mean before she asked for the divorce? After she asked for the divorce. She said she wished to make a new life. He wasn't happy. He was disappointed. He was hurt. He felt hurt inside. And every time he went to the bedroom, there was a little anxiety. Well, because he had the means to do great harm. Exactly. And she couldn't be sure that he would mm. be in charge of himself. Exactly. Time like that. Exactly. When we are hurt, 
they're very vulnerable to blame. I was at ground zero a week ago. When we are hurt, nation state is hurt, the psychology of the nation state is hurt, it hasn't got the wisdom nor the maturity to handle the national psyche being hurt, it has to handle blame. It has to go into blame. It has to inflict several levels of suffering much higher and greater than what it received. It's the barbarism of the gun. How can we address it differently? clear about my fear. All right. I can hardly have that discussion. No. Your observations and your awarenesses are valuable and very important. Firstly, I have to get clear about the fear. Firstly, I agree, 100% with you. I must be, this is fear. From the fear will come all the violence. What next do you have to be clear about? I'm not looking for a specific answer. You just listen to yourself. Well, I have to be clear about what I value. All right. What do you value? Well, I value life. Ah, slowly, slowly. Never never mind the end. (laughs) I value life. Say a little bit more about this value for life. I feel that even though life is difficult in many ways, that I'm so lucky to be alive. All right. In fact, I feel so lucky. I think a few years ago I would have been not so afraid mm. because I didn't value my life as much as I do now. Beautiful. The value of your life Can you put hand on heart and say others value their life as much? Yes. What's your response to the suicide terrorist? Well, maybe I do think they don't value their life as much. I've certainly been fed that idea. Pardon? I've been fed that idea. You've been fed by it. What would be another way of looking at it? Because that's that's what we've been fed. Mm -hmm. By those who have never been with the martyrs of the families, have no idea. What would be another way of looking Say, oh, they have no value for life, they cure themselves, they kill others, etc. Not denying all of that possibility in there, but what is what else is going on? Well, surely they just want to live and be happy. But clearly not. I met with the, um, some years ago with the Prime Minister of Sri Lanka in Budgaya to discuss some matters in uh, Three months later, the Prime Minister was at a meeting, a public meeting in Colombo. 
and a terrorist from uh, in this uh, war, the Tamils and the Sinhalese civil war, who is not Muslim, of course. Strapped, fully strapped with explosives, cycled out of the crowd and cycled towards the Prime Minister and his family and entourage. And the Prime Minister and the family and the entourage and, of course, the suicide terrorists were completely blown to bits. And this was just three months after this meeting, so it was with him. And they had a hard job to find the bits of the Prime Minister. Only could confirm his death when they found a finger with his wedding ring on it. What might be going on with somebody who does that? What, what is it that drives somebody to such lengths? You have to understand, not rush to judgment. It's inexcusable. It's ab- I regard it as absolutely obscene, this acts of terror from the air or from the ground. But I have to, under- I have to go deeper than that. What is it that drives people to such action, such life-denying action? Immediately think fear. Fear. Now we're right back where we started. Ah, we're getting closer to each other. Fear. What are those who kill others, whether whether they are uniformed or ununiformed? What's the fear they're carrying around, which allows them to murder innocent people from the air, from the sea, or from the ground, from the tank? I was just in um, outside Gaza in April. 2,100 shells were sent into the Gaza. What's the fear? What is this fear about that allows this murderous activity to take place? I have to go deeply into this. Well, I think it's the fear that this person that you're trying to hurt is going to hurt you. Exactly. And yours. Right. I'm going to hurt them because if I do, that will stop them from hurting me or us. And what's their response? you're going to do that, I need to hurt you first. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Do you want to live like that? No. No. No, neither do I. I don't want to be part of it. Not in any way whatsoever. It's uncivilized. It's immature. But isn't it going to go on and on? It will do as long as there is fear and you keep it. 
once we come out of fear, there's all sorts of possibility. It can't stop through endless murdering of each other, fueled by fear. We have to give up the nation state and the ideology of it and the political organization and all of that. As you said, the first thing is to be aware of the fear. Second thing, dig deeply into these issues. couple of minutes quiet period and I'll say uh, anyone Yes, anyone, please come. With the recording? Yes. Okay. Yes, please. find my meditations circling around um, the good of practice, the, the, the good, the larger good. The larger good. Mm-hmm. Yes. And wondering sometimes if this isn't just one more kind of narcissistic self-soothing whereby I'm overwhelmed by 
the world situation, mm -hmm. one that I'm fed, but one that I might read about in outside sources and hear about. Mm -hmm. um, overwhelmed by the role my country plays in that suffering and um, kind of in a way traumatized by it all and uh, feeling ineffective, overwhelmed by that ineffectiveness and inertia that comes. And so I meditate, hoping that something will evolve out of that that isn't just more of the same. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the vulnerability of meditation is that we join a navel-gazing club. No question. What's going to... Um, save you from meditative narcissism? There are a few around. What's going to save you from it? Perhaps the accountability to this, this not being just a method um, for me but um, something is to emerge out of the dissolving of the narcissism hopefully the practice can raise awareness where I'm narcissistic where I'm in right. st stuckness around okay. shame as an mm -hmm. American mm. Um, um, perhaps the awareness can be motivating rather than shame grinding. Mm. All right. So we stop. And as the previous uh, person who was speaking uh, commented, this is, right now, we are all in the enormous privilege of being in one of the safest places on this entire planet. Sylvia reminded us at the very beginning there's no locked doors. There's the love and the trust is so powerful and so strong. You barely have to mention ethics. And living in such a loving and supportive environment and so safe gives enormous support to each and every one of us. But it's not just to form and create a safe, temporary environment in which we live. We have to live in this world as it is. We have to draw from this world called the retreat for one week and find and dig deep into our deepest inner resources. So it's not narcissism. It's not a kind of self-enclosed pleasure and a withdrawal. But in some way or other, it's enlightening us. What's enlightening for you about being in the retreat? Difficult question, but why not? I guess the, the most enlightening moment for me was hearing that there is a danger 
of narcissism. To, right. to have that confirmed okay. helped you mm -hmm. not feel like I'm outside mm -hmm. looking in at a practice that is threatening to the larger good. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So we want to bring some touch, something deep inside. We want to be aware that the self, this means the narcissistic self, can easily find itself, as it were, moving from, what shall we call it, consumer pleasantness to spiritual pleasantness. And or having them both working sweetly together. The best of all worlds. <laughs> and for some of us, the worst. So, how are you going to guard against that? What's going to be the vigilance? Which says, I'm not going to settle for being for sweet, warm, open-hearted feelings and feeling nice about oneself. One's going to say, I'm going to dig deeper than that. What, what are you going to touch on? I guess the accountability to the relations, the larger relations, mm -hmm. so that, in fact, if it's just good for me, that I will know that it, in fact, I won't get feedback from my environment that it's having a ripple effect. Mm, all right. You know, okay. the trickle down, you know, it yes. isn't working. No, no, of course, of course not. <laughs> I mean, so in some sense, life will be uh, a critique of it if it's not, if this practice isn't expansive. Yes. The life around me mm -hmm. will show, in fact, it's just been a private exercise. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. Some good points and I'll reflect if I may. There is a danger that the me keeps itself center stage and the view arises accompanied by um, the field of the pleasant which says, this, whatever this is, called meditation, called being here, called practices, whatever, is good for me. Once that good for me is formed as the view and opinion, this is narcissism already. What is another way of looking at the event? in which the description of it is not good for me. It's not a teaching of personal salvation. If one wants that, then one goes to another religion or a religion. What is it to look at this without a construct inwardly called good for me? Speak without this construct. In a sense, I feel like I want to practice to dissolve that motivation. All right. Good for me. And, All right. and just good for me. All right. Yeah? All right. So we're profoundly interested in what's going on 
we're profoundly interested in the view, which is the construct which is formed. Easily, all too humanly and appallingly, the good for me construct gets established. Oh, I need to go and retreat, it's good for me. Whatever, I need to meditate, it's good for me. And we're so used to this monotonous, repetitive view. I say, okay, let me have the motivation, rather more precisely, let there be the motivation, which the process which is taking place, called the retreat, the event, has with it an engagement and there is no interest in the good for me in it. Therefore, no possibility of narcissism. No possibility for the self. What do you say? To engage without it being good for you. What do you say? Not, not concerned about it. So foreign, nice, good, good. The the Buddhist tradition, bless it, two and a half thousand years has engaged in this polite debate, because the Buddhists are terribly polite, (laughs) between personal salvation and saving all sentient beings. Back and forth it goes. The Hinayanis and the Mahayanis. <laughs> Leave all this claptrap in the East. It's all about me, me, or not me, me, and other. It's been a complete waste of time. Two and a half thousand years they've been arguing about it. So sometimes something is foreign. It's foreign because the inner life is not used to that kind of apprehension, that kind of exploration. We're used to the, to the center of life being me and everything revolving around me. And if we're not, then we're revolving around the other until we get burnt out. What is it to participate in the event called life, called the retreat, called practice? And that is just not a concern. That would be the reflection. Dig deep. Dig deep. All your prayers will be answered. Thank you. couple of quiet minutes and I'll give a short reflection.
I'm sure you'd agree that it's uh, important and necessary that we lend an ear, we uh, listen to each other. And as creatures of the earth, we're very, very impressionable. In fact, we do often live again and again in the world of impressions. We get impressions about um, people and places and situations and these impressions, as it were, land with us and in us and it's quite uh, normal. The difficulty is, as was being pointed out, that sometimes these impressions become unhealthy because the consequence of them is increased levels of fear. And where there is fear, there will be increased levels of identification. Identification with the family, identification with the nation-state, identification with what we are told. And then the fear reinforces the identification, reinforces the view, and reinforces the notion of the threat and the problem are, is elsewhere, others. When we start looking and listening together, we actually realize it may not be through our own experience, through actual contact, but when we listen to the voices of the so-called others, they're speaking with the same voice as ours, one of fear, anxiety, blame, and the consequences of that. And thus those who are in the greatest differences between them are actually, and tragically, sharing the same voice, fear and blame, and the what-ifs, and if we don't. And dharma is to liberate ourselves from that totally, unashamedly, directly, immediately, and quickly. Not in order just to have another view, but in order to actually change this world that we live in to transform this obscenity and this ugliness which haunts human life because we're out of that box. We've given up the fear. We've seen through it. We've seen through the identification with with the nation state and all the monstrosity that goes along with it. And that provides some opportunity for another way of being in this world and responding to it. And it's not the ideology of the pacifist, the submissive, but it does say to you and to I, say to us, that this continuity of relentless killing and all the pain and terror and horror and brutality of it all mustn't go on one day longer. That's what the Dharma engagement is about. Never give support to the continuity of the murder of people. 
by the state or by the organization. Montuan said no to all of that. And no to the fear that goes with it. Then there's an opportunity. Then there's another way of being in this world. As the person mentioned just here, everything has its edge, has its vulnerability. That's why we bring mindfulness. That's why we respect mindfulness so much. Because it makes us mindful and makes us more conscious. And when someone comes here and sits here and says, could there be narcissism in what I'm doing here? The very mindfulness, the very awareness of this is a reminder to you and me. Is there any narcissism in all of this? And how might it express itself? Is it expressing itself as good for me? If it is, investigate this idea, good for me. Look at this. There are more important things than life being good for you or good for me. We short sell our existence if we think that's what life is about. So we leave no stone unturned. And it's a challenge, it's a, a, a vigorous challenge. But it's the challenge which wakes us up. <laughs>